Life can be tough. We're busy. Don't have time. Overwhelmed. We're binging. I'm overwhelmed. We're bruised. I needed me. I don't have time. I'm overwhelmed. I can't help it. I need it. What's next? We've got baggage. I don't have time. We're bewildered. I can't get help. What now? What's next? What's next? The new normal. Thanks for being here this weekend. Man, there are a lot of you. This is a lot of fun. Um, this weekend, as you heard, we're in the middle of our sermon series called The New Normal. And, and today we're going to focus on the fact, the reality, the new normal that we all know bruising, right? In some way, shape, or form, it'd be a ridiculous question for me to ask you, have you ever been bruised? Have you ever experienced pain? And today when we talk about bruising, it's going to be pain of all kinds, relational pain, situational pain, all that. Um, and in fact, in light of that, I think I'm going to set the record for the fastest sermon to get to the first outline point. It's, there are different kinds of bruising. There are different kinds of bruising. In fact, um, after each service so far, I've had people come up and show me their bruises. And after last service, it was someone that got kicked by a bull. I, I can't beat that. <laughs> Um, actually, ever since I was in middle school, I've had a couple of fractures in my back. And I'm, I'm not really 100% sure how I fractured my back because there were a couple of different situations that were pretty serious injuries right around the same time. Um, there was a water tubing accident in Northern California. There was a sledding accident visiting some friends in Basalt. And then there was a skiing accident out at Sunlight Ski Resort, and I can tell you're judging me that this guy must be very accident-prone. And honestly, you don't know the half of it. Ask Pastor Nate out at Timberline Windsor. I am like a walking safety hazard here, people. Stay away. Now, fortunately, with my back, I've been able to be fully functional and actually even get to the point where oftentimes I can just forget that it's there. But unfortunately, I've got a permanent knot around one of my vertebrae, just, I guess, protecting it or something like that, and it can tend to flare up from time to time and then sometimes really just leave me flat in debilitating pain. And I bring that up because some of the bruising in our lives can be like that, can't it? It's ever-present. It may be manageable. Even sometimes we kind of forget it's there. But it's always a threat to flare up and really cause pain. Do you have bruising in your life that's like that? Then there's also the type of bruising that only hurts when we press on it. I've got two little kiddos, Kendall and Jaron, and I can't tell you how many times they've come up to my wife, Kirsten, and I, and said something like, Daddy, Mommy, it hurts when I do this. And then they press on their bruise and cause themselves more pain. And I'm sure you're familiar with our response, right? Well, then stop doing that. But yeah, some of the bruises in our lives can be like that. It can be subtle or hidden and only becomes tender when we press on it. Someone else after the service was telling me, yeah, some of the bruises, we wake up and we don't even know how we got them. Yeah, some of the bruising in our life can be like that. There's all kinds of bruises. You've got bruising from hurt feelings or bruising as a consequence of your own struggles and decisions, bruising from illness, bruising from being left out at school or in work or in family or even bruising from church. We've all got different kinds of bruising, and it's common to all of us. That's why we're talking about it as the new normal. 
And we see examples throughout God's word of bruises that different people have lived with. And I think we can learn a lot from how God actually used their bruising. For one, there's Paul and his thorn in the flesh that he describes. Now, we don't really know what that thorn in the flesh is. Scholars, most scholars don't think it was an actual thorn. So theories range from a temptation, a chronic eye problem, malaria, migraines, epilepsy, speech disability, or a damaged relationship. The fact is we really don't know for sure what Paul's thorn in the flesh was, but what we do know is that it caused him constant pain. And despite being a biblical all-star and a writer of much of our New Testament, guys, Paul's just like us. He didn't want to live with pain. And he pleaded with the Lord to remove it from him numerous times. But no. Instead, in the end, he was given more grace and compensating strength to deal with it. And he learned, as he tells us, that God's power, God's strength, is made perfect in our weakness. Then, of course, there's Jesus himself. Enduring severe bruising and pain throughout his life, and certainly in the Garden of Gethsemane and leading up to the cross. Now we're going to come back and focus on this a little bit more later, but for now, we can recall a profound cry from the Son of God himself in the garden amidst his bruising. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Like I said, we're going to come back to that. And then there's another example similar to Paul's thorn and this cry of Jesus in the garden of God taking someone's pain, bruising, and actually using it. Okay, let's, let's take a little bit deeper look at Joseph and the bruising his brothers left him with. If you're following along in your, with your Bibles or in the Timberline Church Bible app, uh, we're in Genesis chapter 50. We'll soon be focusing on a, cube, a few key verses there. Leading up to this final chapter in the book of Genesis and and the last chapter of the story of Joseph, let's take a quick overview of what Joseph has endured. See, when we first meet him, Joseph is a young man of 17, and he is clearly his daddy's favorite. Now, like most families, he has 11 older brothers, by the way, or 11 other brothers, uh, and like most families, being daddy's favorite didn't sit too well with those brothers, And I'm pretty sure Joseph was not exactly perfect in all of this. Innocent, he seems to be a little arrogant, bragging to his brothers about dreams he has of ruling over them, tattletailing on them to his father a couple of times. And I'm pretty sure he flaunted that famous coat that his dad gave him in front of his brothers a time or two. But things very quickly escalate way out of control within this band of brothers. One time, Joseph is sent by his father to check on the brothers. And Genesis chapter 37, verse 18 tells us, check this out. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. (laughs) That's one dysfunctional family. And fortunately for Joseph, though, they don't kill him. No, they're too nice for that, right? No, instead they sell him off into slavery to a caravan heading down to Egypt. Now, I've got two brothers. One's a pastor out in northern Cal- or sorry, Southern California, and one's a, a timberliner here. 
And I'm pretty sure I remember my older brother Scott and I talking about selling little Jeffy off when we were young. But man, we never acted on it. This is jacked up stuff. This is severe bruising. And you know what? If you're familiar with the story of Joseph, you know his bruising doesn't stop there, does it? No, he's, he's falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He's wrongfully imprisoned. He's abandoned by fellow prisoners even after he helps them. I mean, this guy keeps getting hit like he's in a 12-round boxing match. But the writer of Genesis wants to make sure to point out that we see that throughout all of it, God was present with Joseph. And in that, Joseph somehow develops a strong and forgiving character, even amidst all the bruising. So we fast forward a bit, and because of the way that God has guided Joseph's life, he ends up being able to help Pharaoh and is not only restored, but actually given a position of highest prominence in Egypt. After all of his bruising, his life finally turns a corner, and Joseph's story is redeemed and restored. But that's not the end of the story, is it? One day, many, many years after his brothers had sold off their very own brother into slavery, never to see him again, a famine hits, and into the courts of Egypt they stumble with empty stomachs and panicked because their families are starving and they fall at the feet of this leader, Joseph. So let me ask you, you've got pain, you've got bruises in your past, right? What would you do in this situation? I mean, literally, in walks your offenders, begging and desperate, and you're the only one that can help them. I mean, come on, there's a small part of you, at least, that, that gets this grin in your, on your face and, and wants to come up with a good one-liner like in the movies, Right? It's, it's helpful for us to go, how would I respond against those who have bruised me? But in chapter 50, after all kinds of developments of the story, just check out the response of Joseph to his brothers, starting in verse 19. Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. He comforts them. These brothers that sold off their very own brother into slavery. He speaks kindly and graciously to them. And somehow he sees God's big story over all of it. And says, you know what? You intended evil. But God's the real author of my story, and he meant it for good. He turned it to good. Where in his bruising did Joseph learn that? The God that was present with him, the God that was faithful to him and restorative to him, that God taught him more than his bruises ever could. Don't miss that, church. I think that's a really important thing to consider when we're considering our bruises. Do we just focus on our bruising or the bruisers or what we learn from God amidst our bruising? This account of God's big story played out through Joseph and his brothers, it shows us that even in our bruising, God is always 
faithful to his promises to work for the good of his people. This, this reminds us of what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. In all things, including your bruising, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, please don't take that verse out of context. That does not promise rosy circumstances. Did Joseph, did Joseph have rosy circumstances? No. Do you always have rosy circumstances? No. But what it does mean is that God is a redeemer. And he is able and faithful to bring restoration and healing and even strength through your bruising. And I know that there's all kinds of bruising represented in this room and those of you watching online and in the south. Some you've been able to heal from. Some you maybe forget is there. Or maybe some that you're sitting there and it really needs some healing. All kinds of degrees of severity and causes and symptoms. That's why we're talking about this in this series, The New Normal. Everyone knows bruising in, in one way or another. And as much as we may want to try, the second point in your outline, if you're following along in the outline or with the Timberline Church app, is this. We can't avoid it. We can't avoid it. Bruising can and does happen. It's just part of living in an imperfect world and as imperfect people. I mean, sure, you can try to live bruised-free, but should you? Some of you are sitting there going... Yeah, I generally like to avoid pain and bruising, thank you. And I get that. We're, we're naturally hardwired to avoid bruising. But to some extent, it's inevitable, right? We're going to experience bruising in one way or another. How do we respond to it? I keep thinking of Rafiki's line in the movie Lion King. You can tell I'm a dad of two young kids. Where he says, talking about pain in the past, he says, you can either run from it or... Learn from it. Maybe I should sound a bit more like an adult. Um, in her book, Real Power, Janet Hagberg says, those who spend their lives warding off or avoiding pain, they may be safe, but they will not become wise. Let me say that again. Those who spend their lives warding off pain may be safe, but they will not become wise. Maybe there's something in our bruising because of our bruising that actually makes us stronger and wiser because we've gone through it. All right, so as we've said, there are all different kinds of bruises and we can't avoid it, not really, not fully. So what? Is that it? Is that just what we're stuck with? Is that just the new normal and something that can't change? Thankfully, no. God can and does use our bruises. In fact, our God specializes in meeting us in the midst of our pain. And as we heard from Paul, God is strong, especially in our weakness. So you don't have to just remain stuck alone in the hopelessness of your pain. Or try to just ignore your bruising as it's just the new normal, it's something that can't change. Don't ignore your pain. Don't ignore your bruises. Some at Timberline Windsor especially will remember about a year ago, um, every time I went to shake someone's hand, I'd get this nasty pain 
in my hand. And as the intelligent person I am, I kept shaking hands and it kept getting worse. So finally, this brilliant specimen of a pastor you see before you listened to his wife and decided to go and get an x-ray and shocker of all shockers, it was broken. Walking safety hazard here, people. Don't ignore your pain. I get it. I tried to ignore it. I tried to resort to cool fist bumps instead, but it just kept getting worse. And sometimes we can ignore our pain and it can heal and go away. Minor bruises in our lives do that. But if ignoring your pain isn't working and ignoring it, your bruising just makes things worse, it's time to do something else. So how? How can God use our bruises. We're going to move pretty quickly through these next few points on your outline, so they're included there for you. God uses our bruises to heal us. Our bruises can actually be a part of the healing process to make us stronger and wiser because of it. Now, I know probably next to nothing about MMA fighting, but I'll tell you what I do know. The best fighters got that way, at least in part, because they learned how to take a punch. They learned how to endure the inevitable bruising they were going to get and get back up and be stronger because of it. For another example, my wife Kay and I, we built this kind of thinking into our wedding vows and so did many of you that are married, saying that we would be stronger because we go through sickness and in health, richer and poorer, good times and bad. We weren't going to try to avoid those things. We knew we were going to go through them and we were going to be stronger and have a stronger relationship because of the bruising we go through. That was Joseph. Over time, he both learned how to be stronger and wiser because of his bruises, but he also didn't allow his bruises to define him or others. He didn't allow himself to just become overwhelmed by resentment and anger, sitting rotting in an Egyptian prison forever. Somehow, instead, over time, he continued to connect to God and God's will for his life and somehow saw that his bruises were actually a redeemed part of God's plan. That's what he means when he says, yeah, you intended evil against me. God flipped it around. He's the author of my story. So to any of you who might feel stuck or overwhelmed or defined by your bruises, consider if like Joseph, maybe there's a perspective shift or a prayer. You can pray and invite those around you to pray over your life. God, how might you use this? How might you allow me to at least begin to heal? And that healing may necessitate help. If you encounter bruising that needs help to begin healing, you need to know you're not alone in this. You're not alone. As a church, that is the power of what we gather together to do as the local church. That's the power of what we're doing. This isn't just about weekend services and ministries. This is a church family. This is people that are gathered together in small groups or student ministries or life stage groups or all kinds of ways Timberliners connect to one another to do life together and support one another when it's needed. In light of that, seeking help 
whether from a church family member or a pastor or a counselor or help of any kind, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. It's a sign of you beginning to heal, and that healing is the beginning of new strength. Pastor Derry talked about this last week. Let's all strive to be a church that encourages the good work, the great work of support services and destigmatizing seeking help as if it's a negative thing and instead commit to being a part of the restoration that others need. Leading me to the next way God might use our bruises to help others. A friend of mine at Timberline Windsor recently was sharing with me a bit of their story and and they shared one of these catalytic moments in their life where they said, look, church really came alive for me when I came to church and it started being about others and not just myself. He said this, when I started thinking about others and not just myself, church came alive and even helped me heal and become stronger. Man, that's so inspiring, and it even connects with the heart of generosity that we've been talking about all throughout 2019 in our big vision for the year, pray and give and go, this heart of generosity, this heart about being about other people and looking at how can we help them, how can I be a person of support for them. And the crazy thing is the way God works, that is often a catalyst for our own healing and our own growth. Maybe the bruising in your past is the same sort of bruising someone around you is going through. And you can help them recover and become stronger because you've been there. Or maybe you've been hearing all about this bruising and honestly you're living through life relatively bruise free. (laughs) Well, first of all, I'm jealous. Second of all, lock this away because you're going to need it when you do experience bruising. But third, if you're at a point of strength and health, consider using that to be a shoulder for someone else, to be a point of strength for someone else, to be present in their lives, to sum it all up, be like Jesus to them. Leading me to our final and most effective suggestion in how God can and does use our bruising. God uses our bruising to draw us to Jesus. To really catch the power of what this means amidst our bruising, we're going to return to the garden. We're going to return to Matthew 26, starting in verse 36. Now, the Garden of Gethsemane has become become synonymous with bruising and suffering because it's such a vivid picture of the immense bruising that Jesus endured. Yes, throughout his whole life and certainly in the garden and leading up to the cross. Now, what's most amazing to me about this, as we look at the bruising of Jesus, we're not even going to get into the scourging and all that that he endured. As we look at the bruising of Jesus, what's most amazing to me is that he pursued this. He willingly endured this. He knew it was coming. He predicted it numerous times and intentionally journeyed to Jerusalem, all knowing this immense bruising was coming. Let's read Matthew's account, starting in verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. 
Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Guys, Jesus endured all the bruising and the suffering that we do. And then some. You've got bruising from abandonment and rejection. Yeah, he's been there. With bruising from his closest friends in his most desperate hours leading up to the cross. You've got bruising from betrayal. Yeah, he's been there. One of his closest friends, closest allies, Judas, giving him up to be murdered. You've got bruising from the consequences of sin. Yeah, he's been there. Bruised by bearing the weight of our sin with agony so deep here in the garden it almost kills. He endured all of that. He willingly pursued that bruising. Why? How is it that this is not just some incredibly tragic picture of immense bruising? It's because he knew what he was doing. It's because our God endured all of that because of the greater gain for his people. He went through that bruising because of his love for us. In one of the most famous Bible verses of all time, we hear the real why behind what Jesus did just in the first few words. John 3.16, for God so loved. It was because of love. On Easter weekend at TW, this was the theme that we repeated over and over again in our services, because of love. And I'm circling back to it here in the midst of our bruising because it's the love of Jesus that is our greatest hope amidst our bruising. And not just generally or as a cliche, but in a few very relevant ways. Because in the midst of your bruising, Jesus knows. He knows the bruising from relationships that are broken and sickness and consequences. And beyond just knowing what we're going through, Jesus sympathizes. He cares. He understands. He's been there. And beyond even that, the love of Jesus is a love that is present with you in your bruising. It is there with you. Like, like a parent at the point of our child's pain. When our kids hurt themselves, I mean really hurt themselves beyond just like paper cuts and stubbed toes, there's something about my heart as a father that is just drawn to them. And as I am close to them and there with them in their pain, I kind of feel what they're going through. And I just 
embrace them and hold them. And if that's my heart as a father, how much more does our heavenly father know what we're going through in our bruises and sympathize with what we're going through and is present with you in your bruising? And as if that were not enough, even more than love that just sees where we're at and accepts where we're at, this is love that heals and strengthens and saves. Yes, Jesus accepts you wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, but he promises not to just leave you there. He loves you too much for that. When God wanted to show people what he was like, we see Jesus. And what do we see throughout the life of Jesus? What is he doing? He's going around healing people from all kinds of bruises. And his teaching brings healing as well from, from lives that are, or hearts that are far from God. False perspectives, dangerous perspectives on life. Jesus is in the business of healing and saving. Isaiah 53, 5 declares the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And as we mentioned before, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then the next verse, John three seventeen, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The love of Jesus, he sees what you're going through. He's there with you. And even better than that, he's a healer. He's a savior. He's a strengthener. Is that what you really see when you see God? Or do you see God as this distant, uncaring, maybe even weak God? Or do you see Jesus? Do you look to God and see a God that is there with you, that is present, that endured suffering so that you wouldn't have to and wants to be about strengthening you? And healing you. That's who he is. Whether you've seen him that way or not, that's what he's after. He is the way through your bruising. He has made the way through your bruising through him. As for me, (laughs) I'm drawn to that kind of love because I clearly am the type of guy that can tend to get bruised from time to time. And the fact that my God sees that and knows what I'm going through and it's about strengthening me. Yeah, I'll, I'll worship and follow a God like that. Whether here or in the south or online, let's pray together. Jesus, we're not alone in our bruising. You see. You know. And even more than all that, you are about healing and restoration. And maybe we won't understand all the answers to the questions, but God, as we look to you and look to your promises, we can know that you are a redeemer, that you are a God that is faithful, that in all things you work for the good of your people. I pray for people in this room 
and watching that, that need that promise, that need that healing from their bruising. May they recognize they're not alone. We all experience bruising and you know and you see them and you promise somehow, some way that you will use their bruising for good. You will redeem it. You will restore them and strengthen them through it. And church, as we're praying, if that's you, if you need healing for bruising, you've got something you need God to restore and redeem, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. I see you. God sees you. God knows exactly what you're going through. And God, I thank you for the vulnerability here. I thank you for the authenticity of, yeah, that's me. Man, I need a story like Joseph's where I can look on this and say it was meant for evil. But God turned it for good. God, we pray for healing, whether it's through time or by seeking help or by actually being a catalyst of helping others. God, would you do your work in these lives, in these specific situations that you know. God, we thank you that you are a God that loves us. And maybe there's someone here that is seeing you as a God of love for the first time. They're seeing you as a God that knows where they're at and accepts them right as they are with everything that they've gone through. And God, I pray if that's a heart or a soul in here that you would stir them to respond, to accept your love, Jesus, to say that's a love that I'll follow. That's a love of a God that I want to know more about. I see God in a new way, a different way. And, and God, that's a miracle of you working in hearts, a work that only you can do. We pray that you would save souls because of your love, your great and amazing love. Amen.